from you is, you know, actually not that it's that big of a deal, but did you did you just see that last show I just did with uh, with Sam Farber from Golden Auctions? Yes, I did. I watched the whole thing. I was actually grading cards while I was listening. Actually, yeah, the whole thing. Wow, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, gotta do, gotta put in the work for you. You know, it's important. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I like how you 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 said on your uh, on Instagram today. You felt like you're going on Conan O'Brien or something like that. Oh, that's that's heavy praise right there. I, I mean, come on, Jeremy. We all know you get lots of views. Lots of people talk about you. You're a uh, you're an asset to the to the hobby community. You really oh, are. Thanks, man. I I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Wait. Don't stop. Keep it coming. Keep it going. Just well, can, can everybody see what I'm wearing? I'm wearing it for you. Yeah. Mr. Calgary, I'm wearing the ducks. I mean, it's not Calgary. I don't have a Flames one. I'm sorry. That's but okay. uh, one of my students actually, uh, you don't mind if we uh, just tell a quick story, right? One Jeez. of my students, um, his um, his um, um, brother-in-law, no, not brother-in-law, His one of his students, one of my students, um, uncle is Josh, Joshua Jackson. So this is actually his not from them, not from the movie, but um, you were able to get like custom ones on eBay or something like that. So he actually gifted this to me. Uh, um, so it was kind of cool. Uh, didn't nice. get to meet Joshua Jackson. That would have been really cool. But I got to see some pictures and he told me some really cool stories. So I wear it every once in a while and I wore it for you because Calgary. I thought you'd enjoy that. Because I'm a Canadian hockey fan. That's right. That's right. So, so I like I like to ask uh, everybody that comes on after hours that that did watch the show before, um, and again to provide some continuity between the two shows, and for my own interest, what stuck out to you from from that show with uh, with Sam of, of Golden Auctions? Um, two big well, two big things. One, November, we're going to be ready to go with this Golden app. I think or a Golden new website. App probably should be coming in right after that. That'd be a great idea as well. I know Heritage has one. Um, but a great functional either app and website is going to be a great thing for them. And start. And I completely understood them starting small, making some mistakes. That's the only way you're going to learn. And uh, working from there and getting just getting better with it. That's really important. And they hired, it sounds like you, they've hired the right people. Uh, from different companies, different uh, different looks at different things, and uh, the fact that they've got a um, I'm not going to say where the thing is streaming from because we can't because we don't really know, but that they're going to have something that's going to be um, on some sort of platform that a lot of people are going to be able to see, and I think that's going to be fun because I remember Ken and Paul from 30 almost 40 years ago uh, uh, doing stuff on uh, TV and stuff like that. So it'll great to be great to see. And again, he's magnanimous. He's funny. His son is funny. Um, he, he's an asset to the community, uh, just as you are. That he's 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 a, he's an important piece to this whole thing. So I think it's great, and it'll bring bring a lot of eyes towards every uh, towards all of it. So it'll be, it'll be great. Those are the two big things that I picked up on. You said that that it'll be on some sort of platform. So so Sam, who works at Golden, who knows what network slash platform uh, the show The Golden Touch will be on. He's not permitted to say that yet, but we can speculate all we want here right now. So sure, we're we gonna say I'll, if I have a hundred dollar bill, I don't have it right now on me. It's going on Netflix, and if it's not, I mean, what are we doing here? Netflix is the best streaming one. I mean, what do you want to say? You want to say uh, Peacock? No, Paramount? No, Disney Plus? Not gonna go there. I don't someone think it's ESPN. Said, I, although someone in the chat said ESPN on the last uh, episode. What do you think about? <sighs> Okay. All right. 
You mean the regular ESPN or you got to get the ESPN plus ESPN two, ESPN plus. I don't know. Just because Peyton Manning is an executive producer of Golden's show. And so someone in the chat in the last episode said, well, if yes, if Peyton Manning's involved, then it must be ESPN. Now doesn't must be, but you never know. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. It would make the most, make, make the most sense. I just thought it'd be fun if it was on Netflix, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be awesome on Netflix. You I, would catch I, a I, lot more. You'd catch different eyes looking at it. ESPN and sports fans with yeah. this, you catch different eyes. The same thing happened with the HBO um, with Brian Gumble doing the, uh, where the guy, where he went to the national, uh, different people looked at that and then more than right. your normal, you know, the regular hobby people in the hobby or people in sports. Okay. So before we say hi to the crowd in the chat, but welcome everybody. Um, how did you, and I, I, before we, we hit go live here a few minutes ago, I said to you, I don't even remember how you ended up getting on, on the show with me tonight because <laughs> Thanks. We, it makes it sound just like, well, I am a no, but listen, person, listen, but, I mean, um, I, so I, I have, hold on, well, David, hold on, hold on. I'm a guy that I like to keep my emails clean. I don't like a bunch of unread emails, but for the past like month, I've had one email marked as unread. And it's been from you so that when I went to find your a graphic for the YouTube thumbnail, I'd be able to find it. And so it reminds me that, well, we've had this plan for quite some time now, but I'll let you tell the story because I don't exactly remember how we got in touch in the first place. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks. You made me feel this big right now, but that's okay. You're big time. So I get it. So um, <laughs> what happened was um, we have spoken on Clubhouse it had to be March or April, May, June, you know, I was introduced to it and came on and some people had already known who I was and had a PSA training background. So people were asking me a lot of questions. You came on, we're listening. We followed each other on there. And then you followed me and showed me some stuff that you wanted me to take a look at. Um, and then I posted, made a post for people that were going to the national because I couldn't go because my wife and kids said, hey, can we go on a family trip? And I said, do you want to go to Chicago? And they go, no. So we didn't go to Chicago. Uh, we're looking to probably go to Atlantic City, though, for next year. I haven't gone since the last Atlantic City one. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun to do. Um, but anyway, you and I, uh, you said, hey, we got to catch up after I get back from the National. I said, great. We then talked. When you got back, we talked back and forth, made a date. Today's that date. So we are here right now. Right on, right on, yeah. And I, the the clubhouse connection, clubhouse has been a, a great uh, a great source of uh, new relationships and and good conversation. Often, good conversation as well. Um, we okay. won't get into the not bad, not good conversation, absolutely. But it's great when I'm grading cards for people and pre grading. It's great to listen to you and some of the other ones, Eric. Jordan's always funny, and Richard, and everybody. Just the cast of characters, just sit there, listen, Chris. Everybody just listen, and then they'll try to pull us up. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of not wanting to talk right now. But sure, I'll come on. Whatever you want me to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Carvin's on there all the, uh, holding court quite a bit as well. Okay, oh, yeah. so let's say hi to the chat. We got Troy with us. After hours is going to be great. An actual card grader. Well, we're going to get into that specifically. Fire sports cards. Good evening. Joe Pro says X-Mint. Ouch. <laughs> what is up, Lapper? Tyler says uh, the the mighty the Anaheim Mighty Ducks uh, the Mighty Ducks favorite movie of all time. Jordan, that Jew, jersey is cool. Jeremy and David, what are your one or two favorite hockey movies of all time? What are yours? Do we want to answer right now? I mean, yeah, why not? I, I love the Mighty Ducks. Um, 
I'm not going to say Slapshot because I actually did. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, Miracle is a great one as well, too. Um, I mean, I just took two of the big ones. What are you going to throw at? I'm going to, I'm not Slapshot either. Mine's Youngblood. Youngblood was my favorite uh, hockey movie. I, I liked the Mighty Ducks as well. That was a feel good movie for sure. But I liked Young God, Young, Young Blood back in the day. And of course, uh, uh, Threat Level Midnight is probably my favorite hockey movie of all time. You familiar? You're familiar. Yes. 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 Threat Level Midnight. All day long. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Troy says, red wavy wig. Then maybe Jeremy could pass his Conan for sure. James agrees on Netflix. Patrick Hero says HBO, maybe. Uh, Tyler says, Ken was on IG Live a few weeks ago, and he said History Channel and A&E were small networks compared to the one his show is on. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, those are big channels that are connected yeah. to other bigger channels that are part of a network as we know. So that's, he's put, he's, you know, he's, he's saying what he's got to say. That That's what we love Ken for. Exactly. Oh, there's some good comments coming. Uh, the big unit says ESPN eight, the Ocho could Ouch. be <laughs> Chrissy. With, with house. Good evening, Chris. We got birds on a bat. What's up, David? Collection says, I think if it's going on Netflix, we'll see another boom in the hobby. Netflix touches everyone. Ah, this is the comment you made. That's a great comment, uh, Collection SML. Colin Murray, good evening. Todd McDonald, great to have you. Overtime grading, good evening. Lapper says, won't catch a Canadian talking about Miracle. <laughs> I don't know. Still pretty still pretty cool, cool thing, but I hear you. The big unit says Michael Scarn. Exactly. Michael Scarn is, is the uh, main character. I know. that You saw me laughing. I wasn't going to give I, it away. I wanted people to go after going. This still it. doesn't give it, really doesn't yet give it away uh, to, to people who don't know. But yes, Michael Scarn is the lead character in the movie Threat Level Midnight. And mm-hmm. then Patrick says, oh, a channel, not a platform. Could be. Jordan Riker says Drive to Survive had a decent impact on F1's growth on Netflix. So that wouldn't be terrible. No, it had a great, great impact, I think. I mean, it got me. I am now an F1 fan. I only have two cards in my whole collection ever since watching that whole series back in April, David. But I watched the whole thing. I really like fell in love with F1, the whole thing. And now I've got my PVR set to record the races because they start at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, my time, the Russian Grand Prix. But uh, I can't wait to watch it tomorrow before I do my collectible live show. So which and then tomorrow late night, I'm doing it. I'm hosting a big F1 dynasty. I saw on here. 50, 50 boxes, 50. Yeah, they're not mine. They're my friend Stevens. He's got these things. Carbon's going to join us and he's going to bust them where he just wanted to do it on the channel. I said, yeah, happy to do it. And of course, I'm I enjoy F1. See, when I got into when I started collecting and I didn't collect hard, but I picked up like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine Pokemon cards a year and a bit, a year and a half ago. And it didn't stick because I had no nostalgic connection to Pokemon at all. But I have a nostalgic connection already to F1 because I spent a month watching it, watching that documentary, 30 episodes. And uh, and I just really enjoy it. And I'm already starting to enjoy watching it while my son plays around me. So I'm building those memories already. And um, not doesn't mean I'm going to go crazy on the cards. It's not what I'm saying. But... I'm excited to see what comes out of these boxes tomorrow night. Got it. Jordan Riker calls it right. Michael Scarn and Threat Level Midnight is from the TV show The Office. Michael Scott, Agent Agent Michael Scarn. Good evening, Steve Sir. Happy collecting. 
Patrick says Ken Golden premieres right after The Masked Singer. And uh, Jordan says, how many people have you turned on to Drive to Survive? I don't know, Jordan, how many people, but I tell anyone who talks about F1 with me, I say, well, I watched the, I watched Drive to Survive and it made me into an F1 fan. So did you see it, David? Uh, I have not seen it yet. We've just been busy doing other, binging other shows and stuff. I have not watched it. I did watch Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, I enjoyed that. Not the same thing, but I get the point. I used to watch F1 back when I was younger, you know, like Schumacher and um, a couple other racers. And I know of Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen and stuff like that because I do grade some of those and stuff like that. And I know the whole Topps Chrome debacle and with the with the printing error, uh, errors and issues and stuff like that. Um, it is a bird. It, it's interesting because F1 fans don't collect. They didn't used to collect cards. So it's different, right? It's, it's it, it, you're now collecting it because you fell in love with it, right? So it's 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 still like a burgeoning market. It's it's still starting. It's not it's not it hasn't like reached its peak yet. I mean, some things, some of it has, but not not all of it, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, it it's so so. Just to to touch on that here, Tyler says he started watching it because of me, which is, <laughs> I mean. You know, but it's just like me telling anybody, you know, you how everybody in the audience, yourself, myself, people are always saying, oh, you got to watch this. You got to watch that. You know, telling you what their best shows are. I can't help it that I sit here on Saturday night every every Saturday for a year and a half. Now you're going to talk about what you're watching, especially if it ties into the hobby a little bit. And some people are going to take that and give it a watch. But, you know, it's it's a really interesting uh, program and and, and series. I, I recommend it. You're, you and your wife could get into it. It's because it's about the people behind the scenes. It's also about the races, but it's, it's, you know, you get to know all the people, not just the 20 racers and, and, and a few extras and the, the team principals, the, the ownership, you, you get to see some of the engineers. It really is a behind the scenes look. That was such a smart marketing move by them. I really loved it. Um, Jim says, have you watched the Schumacher documentary on Netflix? Jordan asked the same question. I haven't seen it. I saw it. I saw the thumbnail on Netflix today. I will watch it for sure because I want to learn some of the history now. I don't know much of the history. I know who I've heard of Schumacher my whole life, but I don't know the specifics. And I think I, I want to learn some of the history of the sport now because I find David on a Sunday afternoon or late morning depends on what I will just put it on and just watch it. And it's, it's a soothing watching those races. It's a soothing thing. I don't know. I don't know how to, how to describe it, but I it's, it's becoming part of my routine. I get it. I totally understand. Okay. I'm going to do the last couple of comments here. Frank Schneider says young blood. Very good. The hockey movie. Yes. James says, I don't think people are collecting F1. They're flipping F1. I don't know. I, I collected a couple cards. I don't plan on flipping them, but, but people are going to flip anything if there's an opportunity to do that. But people will also be collecting it. There's going to be both. I know for a fact there's people collecting it. A buddy of mine, he's going to open 50 boxes tomorrow. He's not flipping them. He's he's collecting them. You have something to say to that, David? He's not wrong. I, I think there's a space for both, right? I think the higher-end pieces are not being flipped. I think that they're those people are, are taking it as a long-term investment piece. Um, or that they're really hobbyists of, uh, they really like Lewis Hamilton or Schumacher, or the guys that we've talked about, right? Um, but the lower end stuff, yeah, I be totally believe that that's being flipped. And that makes sense. You know, the hobby boxes of the top Sapphire went from buying it at two to 400, they're now $1,600 a box. That has to be a flip. I mean, you have to move that stuff at some point, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I, I think there's, but the same thing can be said for basketball cards and, and UFC cards and hockey cards and baseball. There's people flipping anything because there's an opportunity there, but they're flipping them to who? Because if you, you know, are you flipping them to somebody who's buying them at, at, at fair market value and then they're going to flip them, what, they're going to wait? They're going to expect to flip them in two, three weeks, two, three months, two, three years? I mean, there's there's got to be both for the ecosystem to work. If not, as Tyler says right here, that's why I don't believe in it long term. It could change. Though. It, it could change. You know, it says it's being flipped more than collected. Could be, could, could, could be. He's not wrong because as I started with saying, FEF1 collectors are not collectors of cards necessarily, most most of them. Um, so once that changes, then that's a different conversation. But for right now, the past dictates what we currently are in. So yeah, that's but all also I'm that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. But also consider that some, some F1 fans are collectors that never had anything to collect. Because collecting isn't just, you know, this can stem from your early childhood, your formative years too, right? So yes. some of them are like, Finally, there's something to collect. You hear Tanya on Clubhouse. Tanya collects, and she's a huge F1 fan. So she's not in it to flip, right? Right. So there are people out there that, that, that are that are collecting it. But I believe what the sentiment here is that mo many people are buying it strictly with the intention of flipping it, which is the way the hobby works to a, to a large degree. Jordan says, Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher are LeBron and Jordan. And funny enough, I'm, I... I, I Okay, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking Verstappen, but yeah, that that goes. I think that just goes without saying. Goes without saying that those two are kind of at the at the height of it all. Uh, Jordan says this conversation seems like it's taken a slight turn from what you may have expected. My apologies for bringing up. We will get into grading within sixty seconds. Joe uh, free. Jim says I collect vintage F one. Joe, having been a pro, does David examine each and every card with his grader's eyes on? Before we get to that. Mark Santucci, good evening. Jim says Ayrton Senna is the F1 GOAT. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Senna. And okay, let's uh let's let's go to let's go to grading because that's what you know, that's what I touted you as was a professionally trained grader. Now yes. I may have sort of stretched on that a little bit, but I, I don't know for sure. I'm gonna let you because we had a conversation. Sure. I feel I understand it, but I want to let you explain to the audience. Um, how are you, like, what qualifies you to grade cards? How were you trained and have you ever worked for a grading company? No, I've never officially collected a paycheck for a grading company. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, but what happened was, um, I was big into great or big into cards ever since I was young. And, uh, I would go to different shows once I was into my college years so I can go on my own and I would go to, um, a lot of the New York shows, uh, the Chantilly show, the Philly show, everything on the Northeast and would hit and CPSA there all the time. People would be submitting. This was the right when they started. Right. So it was it was them. BGS jumped in. Right. But it, there was not a lot of grading. It was not a big deal. Right. So I wasn't sitting behind. I was as they were taking submissions. I ended up befriending a lot of the guys had their text message. I would or not text message. Uh, we would call and stuff like that. And um I would go and meet them and I would sit and they would show me everything. They would like, you're really interested in this. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't go move to California. They're like, all right, then if you really want to learn, here's how you learn. And they would show me everything. I got to touch and hold a lot of the cards that were going to be graded by many of the, um, on the PSA registry cards that are up there now. Um, 
all the amazing cards. A lot of the T206s, the 52 tops, the 51 Bowmans, all of all of everything. I got to see it all and look at the different examples. And um, it's just interesting that um, I'm I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. But with the with the grading, I've I, the way I explained it to somebody is that you have to just like how Malcolm Gladwell says talks about the 10,000 hours that you have to put in in order to be an expert in something. That 10,000 hours I put in a long time ago and I've just been continually adding to it. Now, if you don't know my background, I'm also a school teacher. So I actually teach eighth grade science and that's my regular job. But then on the side, as well as being a dad and you know, a free Uber driver for my kids, right? I also do this pre-grading for people, right? Um, and I've, so the, so the grading piece I can look at a card, and yes, I do look at it. I think one of your uh, commenters asked, do you always ha have your grading eyes on? Yes, now, because I'm doing it for people regularly, and I'm grading 500 to 1,000 cards a day just through emails. We'll get to that part of how I do that. And then they get sent to me, and I do the grades there too. Um, yeah, it's I'm doing a lot of the grading and was shown how to grade and understanding the differences between um, a two versus a three and a four and a five and PSA's website wasn't the way that it is now where it, it is a little bit clearer word wise, but sometimes it can be a little bit uh, vague in different ways. And what I try to do for people um, as part of guess the grade is kind of take the subjectivity out of it and explain to them as much as possible, have a conversation with people so that they really understand why I'm giving them that number and really talk with them. And I think that that's the next piece that I think some of the grading companies might do is that they, that there's the grade, but then there's something that ex tells them or shows them where the problem is so that they're not questioning why they got a five and they thought they were going to get a nine or an eight or something like that. Right. So let me, let me back to the training piece or the way that you gained your skills. Um, I want you to, can you paint the picture, like really describe what it was like when you were at, say the yeah. east coast national or the chantilly show psa is there set up taking submissions and you said that you got to touch and feel these cards so i think a lot of people might be like wait a second you were they let you touch and feel someone no, else no 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 <laughs> so, right but so that's what, what happened is, i want you to like, so they're they, in that's the holders, right? to, and, that's why i want you to paint the picture of what the situation looked like when you were at the show where were you sitting how did they can how did they impart their knowledge uh, onto you how did that actually how did that knowledge transfer actually occur okay so i would sit off the, on the side not part of psa at all so i would be sitting off on the side and um some of the different graders um after they would collect submissions or the submission people um they would be holding them and obviously there's an insurance piece and stuff like that but i would um but i would look at a lot of them and they were able to show them to me and i was able to be taught like this is what you're looking at this is how you do this and they would show me the different pieces of how to do that so uh, there's there's certain things that i can't uh it's because i didn't actually i don't know how to how to explain it um there's I'm, I'm i'm struggling with how to explain it so the they would show me with a jeweler's loop and they and the piece that i have now the magnifying lens right here, right? So they would show me the different things that the tools that they would use. So I learned directly from them as opposed to uh, having been, you know, looking at a website or someone else doing it. So as opposed to being self-taught sort of thing. 
Yeah, it was it was a self-taught piece because there's a but it was me having the conversations with them and asking them the questions, right? So it's not just me, right? Because there's an insurance issue, and I'm, that's not I'm, I'm not talking that I was touching other people's cards. It was that I was taught self-taught, but then also taught asking them questions, which people don't really get to do with any of the graders. But I was able to see, and they would show me like this is what we talk about when we're talking about this looking like this this looking like that. This is how much whiteness can really be there in order to be a seven. This is how much is when we're looking at these edges, you know, this rounding right here and this rounding right here equals a five or a four, that sort of thing. Does that make more sense? I'm sorry. Yeah, like no, totally, totally. No, I, I appreciate that. So what it, just for me to explain to you what, what I'm hearing now is really that you had access to these graders and they were willing to share with you what they were doing as they would do right. it and show you examples. And you, and you spent several hours with them asking questions because you were interested. Time. Yes. And that's how you got your insights into it. So when we say you're a professionally trained grader, it's not like you went through a course or you were, you were uh, training for, a, for employment, but you did experience great card grading training by card grading experts, even though it wasn't formal. Is that Right, right, exactly. And now I'm at the point where, you know, I've been, a. I think really what card grading is, it's about not just you having that eye, but being able to explain it to someone else, right? And that's what I've been trying to do through Guess the Grade is to show people and explain to them why it is the way that it is. And yes, I mean, you could you could say that I'm not professionally trained, but a lot of the newer PSA graders have a lot less experience than a lot of our bulk submitters that are out there. I'm not going to name all the names of the great bulk submitters, but we know who they are, right? They have more experience than a lot of the graders. And, um, and, and I think that that's a key piece. So, I mean, you having the, putting your hands on all the different types of cards, being able to meet with someone and talk with someone, someone and being able to see and understand what they looked at and what they saw is a, is a key, is a key thing to look at uh, when looking at, being trained by a different grading company and, and or being able to look at basically what we're talking about on the understanding the difference between a three, a four or a five or the seven, eight or nine differences as well. Right. And so you're pretty confident now in your ability to look at a card of any condition and kind of like, you know, say this is going to be a three. And and when you when you when you assign a grade or, you know, give your your friend, your customer, your 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 the fellow hobbyist your 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 guest grade even though you're not guessing you're you're using some but when you give them you i i know you're you're you're, you're kind well of that's why i called the guest the grade initially my son and i came up with it and i he's like oh we'll just guess the grades of different cards and i was like oh you know what that's actually a great instagram name and my wife actually was like that was a genius name right there but in in some ways <laughs> that's how people think that the grading is that it's a guess and really i try to that's what i'm trying to do is to educate people and take the guessing piece out of it so it doesn't look like that to people and they don't get upset by the fact of, well, this person really messed this up or, you know, how do, how do you know? Like, and, and, and I want to be clear to people and not just say it's a nine because I said so or whatever. Right. And I feel like when some of these grading, when some of these people ask, you know, different graders or ask people that used to be in grading, they don't have a clear cut answer. And that's really what I'm trying to get to is not just reciting P 
PSA's website, right? Well, but that actually, was my next question, David. Is are sorry. you are you, when you're guessing grades? Are you are you guessing PSA or BGS or both, or 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 will you ask? Well, what com- what grading company do you want my guess for? Like that's a you know because can can we just talk about that to. for a second, Jeremy? Yeah. So it shouldn't be like that, right? I mean, in a perfect world, you shouldn't have to ask which one it is. They should all kind of be on the same sort of level. Well, right. except David, except for the fact that they have their own published set of standards for what Mint is to them. Now, I'm not I'm not saying I don't agree with you. I'm just saying that for you to do your job properly or your your service properly, you know, it's like, okay, well, what company are you sending this to? Because now, well, for as we know, there's no 9.5, so that adds a new potential answer for you. But you also might know from your experience that you know, maybe some Beckett grades are going to be higher than PSAs or vice versa. And you might know how that goes by different by different brands or different eras because you've been doing it so long. So many cards have been through your hands. So, I, yeah. So do you ask that question or do you only do you is, are your guesses all based on the PSA grading scale? And standards? So um, most of the time I'll just give them a number equivalent. Um, but if they're asking uh, PSA because it's the hot one to use. I'll usually give them the PSA one. Um, but if they ask, oh, what do you think for SGC? Then I'll definitely look at it. I don't look at it differently, but I just know where P- SGC is at. And I know where Beckett is at with their grading. So I can, I'm usually pretty close on that. And you'll see on my, um, what I do for, um, I'll do some posts on Instagram of people will send me their submissions and the grades that they got and what I had told them. And sometimes I make mistakes. We all do, right? But uh, usually I'm pretty close to uh, on the mark with many of the ones that I give uh, for grades. Um, even the the hard ones are really actually uh, three, four, five, uh, five, six, seven, uh, the ones and twos. Because sometimes with the older vintage cards, as you know, um, there's huge value differences between a one and a two, and sometimes a two and a three. And you really have to, it's not just, the rounded corners anymore you have to look at uh how big is the crease how many creases are there right is it going all the way through there's all those little intricacies that you have to look at that usually i ask to see the card like in person if i can or just higher res photos and usually i can give them a good estimate but remember also i'm not charging for this i'm doing it to help people and that's really the main piece of this whole thing for me is i'm learning it more but I'm also trying to help others because I just find it's really important for this hobby. And for, as you said, it's an ecosystem and it's part of the lifeblood. And I think you used another word on the show before. Um, what what you wanted Ken to add to. Anyway, but it was, but it's, I, I don't know if you remember the word either. The but pie. anyway, it's growing, it's, growing the pie. Yes, the pie. Yes, the pie metaphor. Yes, the pie metaphor. Adding to the pie. That's what I'm, this is my piece to the pie. This is what I'm trying to do is something different for people. Um, instead of just giving them, doing the work for them, I try to help them. And that's really what I'm looking at doing. Awesome, man. No, it's great. Um, so the the big question for me, whenever it comes to any of these things, is how whenever it comes to grading a card remotely, when you don't have it in hand, is Surface. Surface. So with your, with your, free service which is a very generous thing you're giving your time you're giving your expertise it's a wonderful thing really and kudos to you for for offering to help the hobby that way um how do you approach 
the surface when it comes to assigning your final guess? So what I tried to do is have a conversation with someone knowing the card and knowing what the known issues are on that card, uh, especially with prism, uh, prism cards. It's usually a dimple or a light scratch, knowing that certain scratches on the back because of how the roller rolled out the, uh, uh, the printer, the printer roller actually rolled out the card. How deep are those print lines? Are they very noticeable? Those are the sort of conversations that I have with people. And um, most of the time also, and we were talking about this as well with, um, with just a couple of days ago when we did a quick quick conversation, it's also being able to hold the card at a different angle and being able to see uh, the reflection of it as well. Because then some of those, the, what people get hit for the word, uh, get hit the most often is for like small little tiny like pinholes uh they weren't noticed as much with the older grading uh but now they are picked up on uh very easily especially because of the newer technology like i showed you the light and stuff like that um they're picked up more easily and um from there um i'm able to kind of help them Getting back to what I was trying to say, sorry. Uh, with the surface piece, I usually try to have a conversation with them about that. Sometimes they want to have it and sometimes they don't. And I just try to tell them. So it's this grade just as long as the surface is perfect. And then someone will come back to me and say, oh, I got a nine. I'm like, well, what do you see is on there? And I have a and I try to teach them, right? Ask them questions about stuff like that, just so that they get a better understanding. Because I don't think people want to spend that money and then get a seven or an eight when they were expecting a 10. So it's kind of trying to help people lead people in the right direction so they can make better decisions for themselves with grading. Okay. Now I want your video quality is just sort of, it may be better right now. I think it just got better, but you were very, uh, very um, staticky there for a while. And I'm wondering if anyone in the house might be streaming anything right now. Uh, <laughs> It's um, midnight. No, everybody's asleep. Everyone's sleeping. Shouldn't okay, be, shouldn't be happening. Okay, good. Just just making sure that it's just a, a, a normal sort of thing in, in the system. So that that's totally cool. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, we had some really good questions coming in, and uh, I want to go to this one here back here from Skeppy says, "What archival examples and tools do you have to not only grade but also accurately authenticate?" Now, I think we have to understand to the audience that that David is not. And I don't know, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not out there claiming to be the all, you know, the God's gift to card authentication and grading. You're just helping people pre-grade their cards so they can have an idea of what they might get based on your experience. But do you also, when you provide your service, do you look to authenticate as well? Have you ever had someone ask you to look at a card and you're like, wait, I don't think that's real? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Um some older examples of some, I don't have them handy on me right now, but I also have some older auction books. I keep auction books. That's very helpful for a lot of archival examples. Um, I keep um, a lot of the, I try to keep, especially if somebody sends a fake card, I'll ask, can I keep it? Right. It's helpful for me. Um, I also have examples as I can quickly show you of all different types of cards of all different years of all different qualities so I can actually match them up. So if someone sends me a card, I can match them up, measure them, but then also, you know, have them side by side. It's really helpful. A lot of 
That's one of the PSA graders actually showed me that. Uh, it's, an, it's a key piece to be able to have uh, a Rolodex basically of different examples to be able to match up things as you're looking at them, especially when you're looking at vintage. A lot of the newer stuff, you're not really worried about that. Is the video okay? And we're doing okay with video little, now? Still, it's a little choppy, but don't worry about it. Okay. We okay. can hear you fine. I, we can hear you fine. So don't worry about the video. It'll, it'll work itself out. Okay. Okay. Um, but anyway, back to what I was talking about. So that's a great question. I do have some archival stuff, but a lot of the stuff is in here. Um, and I think that over time, um, putting it out there is something that I want to do as well. Putting it out there for people because you can go to blowout forums, right? You can go to different websites that have how to be able to spot a fake Gretzky, how to be able to spot a fake Jordan. I think one of the key pieces for me is eventually to have a place where you can, one place that kind of houses it all. There's a couple of different websites that have a lot of it, especially uh, everything that was the, uh, I don't want to go into past history too much, but Blowout has everything saved of the whole PWCC, Probstein, all the, the trimming stuff and all that stuff. That's a great resource to be able to look at a lot of that stuff. That's saved and you can easily archive or look at a lot of that stuff. And I do look back at that because they've done a lot of the work with a lot of those cards to look at that. And a lot of those guys, I don't want to shout them all out, but they do an amazing job of the work that they've done to be able to look at the differences um, very systematically and see that, sorry to go on a tangent there, but you know, that sort of thing as far as with like archived examples. Yeah, no, no. It's great that you have that stack of cards. I, I take, I take fake Gretzky rookies with me to ever, I have four fake Gretzky rookies that I take to shows to show people, because people often ask me, how do you tell if it, I, I get, when I'm at a card show, people bring me cards to look at for my opinion on, on quality and authenticity. And what the most common one is the Gretzky rookie. So I keep a collection of fake ones so I can help educate people. I think it's good to do, but on the flip side, it's good to keep authentic copies of cards for that in-person comparison. Okay, I want to get to the next question from Troy says, David, you say you like to explain why a person got a certain grade. Do, do you appreciate the grading companies with subgrades or do you prefer PSA style with no subgrades? I own both. So the I appreciate both, actually. Um, I appreciate how Nat feels that he doesn't want to change, you know, uh, new put a new spoke in the wheel and change the, you know, have the 9.5 for them. I understand why they don't do that. Um, and I think that we can then talk about why possibly people have seen that their PSA's grading has changed because I think the two kind of connect together. Uh, but to answer your question, I love the fact that BGS does what they do. They do. I'm a huge BGS fan. I believe that, um, and you and I have spoken about this and I've talked with other uh, industry experts. In the end, I believe that BGS and PSA should be here, not off. You know what I'm saying? As far as popularity, what they're selling for. And really, in the end, they don't. Because as you know, uh, Jeremy, a lot of the BGS, the top BGS cards have always hit those high marks on golden auctions. BGS cards, not always PSA cards. Just saying, I think when it comes down to it, the real collectors, the people that are not just investing, but collectors um, really love the BGS. And I love SGC. And I know um, some of the graders, as I told you, I met a lot of the graders through PSA. Some of them moved on to SGC, some of them moved on to CSG, and I follow the graders. So I'm going to use a company based on guys that I know. 
just like you would use for your business, right? You're going to use and talk with people that you know that you trust. Those are the companies that I use. And that's the ones that a lot of people that I talk to and work with, that's the ones that I recommend for them as well. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. Uh, I want to go to Joe Perot's question. He says, SGC was, is highly regarded for true vintage stuff. Does David have any reflections on how the perception of SGC has changed or not changed over the years? And it's a great question because I remember being, I remember in the early 2000s, early mid 2000s, there were more SGC cards on the floor of the national than Beckett graded. That's for sure. And there were more, most of the cards in SGC holders were vintage. And by vintage, I mean like pre-war, like pre-1950 sort of thing. So that's what I collect. I yeah. collect those SGC slabs, the old ones and the T206s right. and the 205s. That's that's my sweet spot because if you've looked over the past hundred years, they have they never go down, right? Those never go down. And they're amazing, beautiful cards. And that's the kind of actually have over there the T206 book done by the Zapala family. And uh, they did a great job of uh, just explaining to people so that they if they want to get into collecting those, it's a great, great book. Um, but back to what uh, Joe was saying, Joe, that's a great question. Um, yes. So SGC, um, the older labels um, are kind of revered in our, in our, in our hobby. And I love those. And I see some people trying to crack them and then flip them into PSA tens and it's worked for some, right? I actually prefer to leave them that way. I have a couple of older ones that have stayed that way. And I, I think because there was different things that happened. There was a, if I remember they got bought out or they were in it's the company switched hands a couple times or uh, I don't know the whole history. So I don't want to um, say something incorrect, but I do know that what they were and what they are now are two different entities, but I do know that I have liked what has been happening with SGC as of recently, because I believe that they have actually changed. They're not just throwing out, e you know, easy tens, that was that's been talked about among you know different bulk submitters that they do easy tens or that they're not seen as being the best out there, and um, I don't see that anymore. I see a lot of the stuff, and I actually just made a recent post about this on Instagram that um, people that are sending into SGC and I will you know I'll match up what I said versus what SGC uh, gives them, and they're we're spot on. It wasn't that case anymore uh, before I would give it a nine or a 9.5 and they were getting tens, but now they're actually getting nine, 9.5s, which I really appreciate that they're, that they're, they're seeing that they're, they have a really good piece of the market right now and they're grading the cards appropriately. And I, and I definitely see them as moving back up into the same level as uh, PSA and BGS. Hope I explained everything and answered that one. Yeah, no, no. Best yeah. I could. Good, good, good insight. I appreciate it. I think that uh, would have sufficiently answered Joe's question um, from your, from your, and, and I agree. Like it's my understanding is that SGC is under new, if not ownership management than it was back in the 2000s when it was the, the really the, between them and PSA, as far as the go-to for pre-war. And I think they might've actually led that battle for quite a, quite a while. And now it's run. It's run by an, a new group of people, a new, new management. Uh, and again, my understanding—I've never spoken to the SGC uh, to people at SGC. It's just, it just hasn't come up yet for me. But um, but as far as the uh, the perception, because that and you know from my perspective, 
I think it's gone. It's kind of gone a bit of a a bit of up up and down sort of thing. Start very respected back in the mid in the two thousands, maybe the nineties and two thousands, and then went through a bit of a, a a bit of a period where it lost some of that. And now I think it's gaining it back. Is what I can tell. I picked up a few cards and SGC holders at the national, and you know I bought them for the card, but they look great in those holders. And it's not like I'm I'm not about to go cross everything I have over to. SGC, but that's nothing. That's not a knock against SGC. That's just I'm happy with what I have. So, uh, but I, I guess to summarize, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not going to not buy a card because it's in an SGC holder. I I have SGC cards in my collection, uh, some important ones, and I'm very happy with them as is. So, okay, let's go to the next question from Dr. Uh, this is a kind of a neat question. Do you think there needs to be more variation? on the grade of a one. And I say, David, I say it's a neat question because I, to me and DR, I don't know if you, you've seen it differently, but to me, I've seen wide variation on ones because you can't go any lower, right? So there's going to be, I believe that's where you'll have probably the widest variation in grades because some ones are beautiful, but they have a pinhole through them. So they're automatically a one. And some ones were crumpled up and spread back out and put into a slab. So what? how do you respond to this comment? Well, that DR, I don't know where you got that's a that's a great question. Uh, and thank you for the uh, comment about the Mighty Ducks jersey. Um, I think the way to look at it is I they have the 1.5 out there, and I think that that's a, an important marker in some ways to be able to help you a little bit. But yes, take the 1.5 out of there. I think that's what you're looking at now, are we talking about an SGC one? Are we talking about a PSA one? <laughs> Which one PSA. are we talking about, right? So PSA. I'll just say that it's a PSA one. There is a wide range, right? Because if you look at the wording on the website, it allows for, it's it's not, it's sort of vague, but it allows for a wide range. And you're absolutely right. And I, But I think that that happens with a couple different card grades, especially, in, and I've talked about this, um, on different posts, that there's many different types of PSA 10 Jordans, right? There's a wide range of them, and they'll range from cards that are going to sell for 350 to cards that are going to sell for 750 and upwards because they just hold, they just look different. I think that, and my my mind's going. That's why I'm kind of thinking as we're going with this. I think that's that's the next piece that maybe maybe the AI helps us with in the future, right? Maybe the computer grading is able to make it less subjective and more computerized so that you get to a closer number. Maybe we want that, maybe we don't. I, I, I say that a lot because computers is, are great and sometimes they're not for, for different purposes. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair stuff. Um, Christina's PC, good evening, Christina says, Hi, gents. Does Happy Gilmore count as a hockey and golf movie or just golf? I mean, I'm going to give it both, Christina. Any any movie, number one with Adam Sandler, because he's a hockey fan, uh, probably is a, is a hockey movie. Pretty much if Adam Sandler in it, it, is in it, it's a hockey movie. That's just by default. So definitely does apply. Next comment I want to get your thoughts on, David, is from Brian Basketballs. He says, grades of five to seven by any grading company is subjective. If you cover the grade, you wouldn't be able to tell. How, how do you respond to that comment, that opinion? 
<laughs> now, let me, before you speak, David, because yes. it, we are live right now. There's no, there's no gimmies. There's no mulligans here. Once you say it, you've said it. And, and I live with this every Saturday night. And sometimes we can say things that we don't mean. It happens. But take your, take a second, organize your well, thoughts. Well, I, I mean... Jeremy, I was stuttering before to try to explain the whole grading story, right? Because I was nervous thinking about how to explain this properly, right? Don't worry so about I it. get Just, that. Um, that my whole point is, you're allowed. You're allowed to not articulate perfectly. We can't yeah, all I'm, be. Chris we McGill. can't all be Sam. So well spoken as Sam is, right? I mean, I'm a school teacher. If I'm in front of my students, I'm not making any mistakes. I mean, I am making mistakes, but I'm not nervous. I'm not stuttering or anything. And everything just flows fine. But in front of you you know, you, you start to second guess yourself. So grades of five to seven, Brian, that's a really great comment. That's 100% not true. And I don't want to, don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude to you. And please don't think it's because I know more than you. It's not. Just it's explain. Just, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, it's, I, I don't think, I disagree with the comment too, David, but, but just explain your, your, explain why it's okay. not true. So yes, uh, uh, it's hard with five through seven. You're absolutely right, Brian. That's why some people can't pick it up. And I, and, and sometimes it's set dependent with the vintage stuff. I can t easily tell five, six or seven with um, because there's certain markers and, and talk to We can also, Brian, I hope that you follow me on Instagram and we can DM and talk about this because I, I can show you stuff and talk to you that it, we're not, we can take up less time of this wonderful live show, but uh, to explain the five, six, seven, but it really comes down to that. There are certain markers and certain amounts of white whiting on the side of the edges. Cause really at that point, you're looking at the whiting of the edges. You're looking at the corners rounding. If there's any rounding at all, um, the centering piece, is I think what you're kind of thinking about. If I'm wrong, that's fine. We can discuss that more because I'm not actually speaking to you directly. But I think the centering piece is the subjective piece that I think you're talking about. But I can show you the other pieces of the five, six, and seven that kind of bring that together so that it brings the whole piece so that you understand why it is a five, why it is a six, why it is a seven. Because with the centering piece, that can be where you could see subjectivity a little bit. But that's also why, you know, we have things like these wonderful things like these uh, the grade master centering tools so that there's a number that's actually equated to it. So you actually can prove that it's a 6535 or 7030 or something like that. You know, people often, as I mentioned earlier, they they bring cards to me at card shows and say, what do you think this would grade? And, and I, I have an opinion on it because oftentimes when I'm set up at a card show, I've got a PSA three, four, five, six, and seven Wayne Gretzky rookie, for example, in my showcase. So I can look at a five, six, and a seven and sort of tell the differences. And I feel like I can make a pretty good estimate on any vintage card as far as where it's going to grade anywhere from one to nine, one to 10 even. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm probably, I'm no expert like you, but you know what it's like. You do it long enough. I can look at a card. I got a pretty good feeling if that's a four, five, six, or a seven, pretty quick and then you got to go into a more detailed review or a more a more um magnified review to look for the subtleties and and all that but uh, at first glance if you're just looking at corners edges and centering pretty i feel like it's it's not that hard to determine between a four five six or a seven or even a five six and seven right like said, i didn't but, get into the microscope piece because he was kind of just we're kind of just from, from what he was saying I wasn't going to get into, well, why I'd use a jeweler's loop or the, the high-powered lens. And please, guys, don't use anything more than 10X. 
I mean, you're really, there's no reason to go. Somebody was showing me like a 40X lens. I'm like, there's no reason to get that big. But anyway, to go back to what you were saying, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can I can easily show you. And I understand where if you don't do grading a lot, but you do it for yourself, but you don't do have a lot of that five, six, seven, I could understand where you would say that. Yeah. That makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I get the comment too. It's, it's uh, but I think with more and more experience, I don't know Brian basketball's uh, experience at all. Right. But, but you know, he may, may be very experienced. And that's a fair comment and opinion uh, from what he's seen. I feel like if you have, you know, more and more and more experience, you're going to be able to tell those differences even just without without magnification, unless there's one of those technical issues that you just can't see, which happens yes. in, in many cases. Let's go down to Daniel A's question. Uh, David, do you ever give advice on a possible cross grade or a regrade for a card that is already graded or do you only deal with raw? Um, so the answer to the question is, do you ever give advice on impossible cross grade? Yes. Regrade? Yes. And something that is already graded? Yes. And I also deal with raw. So yes, all of those. Um, so yes, I can. And you can always just DM me through Instagram. We can discuss it more there. You can show me what you got. I also like to hear the background of it. And sometimes I'll do a little bit of quick research for you as well, because, um, really quick, um, there was an Adrian Peterson exquisite card that had a bad patch in it. And I think it was Kyle, uh, someone, I think it's Colin Wax Museum podcast actually messaged about it. I might be wrong. So if Kyle's listening, I guess gave you cool credit, but I, I'm not sure which one it was, but I remember finding it and saying, this is actually a fake patch. Don't buy this sort of thing. So it's having that, that, you know, that Rolodex of hobby knowledge and always constantly looking and, um, and seeing different things and seeing and it's also going to be interesting because I think it's going to be harder and harder to be able to do crossovers once the whole, um, and I know, I think Nat's already talked about it with gentlemen and also the fingerprinting, the digital fingerprinting, it's going to make things a heck of a lot harder to do crossovers. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Kyle Wax Museum. Pod. I listened to his podcast. I really enjoy it. And I, I hope he gets, uh, I hope he gets his Taco Bell sponsorship that he's working so hard, so hard to get. Um Troy says SGC is just as good or better than PSA. Just everyone wants that high value PSA slab. I have no problem with SGC in my collection. Rich Frank, absolutely keep SGC for my PC. I, I like the last sentence. I trust that grade. That's very, very important. That comment right there. I trust that grade. And it's, it's, it's a personal trust. It's an individual thing, right? And so there's two things though. You know, and he says for my PC, another key part of the comment here, same with uh, same with Troy's comment, I believe, for for my in my collection. So it's like, does that mean that the people are willing to for their again personal collection hold cards in SGC? But when it comes to I think it what, what it's saying is that people just recognize that the hobby assigns more value to PSA slabs than SGC slabs for same graded cards maybe even similar graded cards. And so that's just, that's just the, it's kind of like, it is what it is. We got to accept that. So if it's for your personal collection, Hey, you may as well buy an SGC nine over a PSA nine. Cause you're going to pay less for it. Cause that's what the market dictates. And you're probably going to get in. And if you're rich or Troy, you're getting a grade that you trust, which is very, at the end of the day, buy the card, not the grade buy the card, not the slab. And if that makes you happy and, and you trust it, then yeah, all the power to you. I think that's a great approach. What do you think? And just because an influencer 
or some numbers right now tell you that PSA is the best. Doesn't mean that that's necessarily true in the end. Or those of us like yourself and I, and many people that are in the chat, hi, Christina and everybody else, uh, they know that even though we're we're in that current, like PSA is king and I do love PSA. Um, you know, I did, did the on the job training with them, but I, I know that the other companies are just as good. They have good graders at many of the other ones. And I trust the graders, as you said, right? I trust who I know is there doing the work. So that's a key piece for me. For me, I trust the graders at CSG because I, you know, I know them and they came from back in grading. But, right. Yep. Yeah. Andy, Andy is amazing. Both. The, oh my God. They're, he's an amazing grader. I trust him with anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but the problem I have with that, and I love this, I love the, the plastic slab, but the label detracts overall from the looks of the card and and to me and that's just me that's my personal opinion the label if i i tell you what if they change if they fix that label from being just a bunch of empty white space you know if if push came to shove and something happened i would i would that's a direction i could see myself going for for a lot of my personal collection cards but but I? but i won't sub to them because i don't like that label i love the guys I love their I love what they bring to the table, but unfortunately, I also want I also am, am 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 cognizant and I put value to the overall appeal of looking to the item myself. And that thing, I just I, I just can't believe that's that that's what they went with. But that's just me for my personal for personal. So stuff. you know that they're connected with the whole other comic. They're part of that whole universe of the comics and everything else that they grade too. And sure. The comic grading, people said the same thing about the comic grading, but those do very well now. I mean, in the beginning, that's what they said about them. And I believe that over time, maybe some of the, maybe they'll change a little bit of it. And I get what you're saying, but never once. And I get DMs regularly with people asking about crossing over other slabs. I never get one about CSG. And I look at CSG slabs every day, all day. And they're always spot on. I cannot find fault in CSJ slabs. And that I'm not saying that I'm an industry expert, right? But I have a lot of experience. I, as I said earlier, my 10,000 hours, I put it in on grading. So I can say that I have a lot of experience. I can tell you that CSG, I don't question their stuff. I, I, I just don't. The, the grade is the grade right there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Fa it's it's all it's all good right i mean it, it really it just i agree like i i wish their label was something that i liked i wish i liked the looks of the label and you i know, know what? i just you i just, david we'll i do just it separately saying, we'll design it we'll just send it to them i just finished saying buy the card not the grade buy the card not the slab i stand by that but at the same time i also stand by i want to enjoy looking at my item so the card, when it's in the slab, you you know, I'm not taking it out. Maybe I will. But, you know, in general, I don't take cards out of slabs. So that's what it is. I might just wait for another copy of the card I like just as much, but that is presented in a way that I enjoy more. So. Agreed. Um, yeah. But, okay, well, let's keep going. I mean, I like everything else about that company, what they're doing, except for that one that one detail. Uh, okay. I, DR, how do you protect your ungraded cards that you enjoy? I personally top loader and sleeve is how I do it. That's what I, anything different there from you, David? 
No. I don't put them into a binder lid that I used to do when I was a kid. No. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, same here. <laughs> some just some real low-end base sets. Like Rich Frank says, I don't care about centering for my PC sets. I want clean corners. See, I love this comment because that's fine. Like you don't not everybody cares. Believe it or not, not everybody cares about centering. The hobby, there's this narrative that centering is the most important aspect of a card. And it might be if you took a vote, you know, maybe 95% of the people put centering as number one, but Rich is in the other five. And that's totally cool. For me, it's surface. Number one is surface. So let me just add to that now saying that we now look as cards as like fine art, right? Because we have investors and it goes into auctions and stuff like that. Because I think the fact that we look at it as fine art, Centering does matter, right? To the opposite side of what he's talking about, right? Because you're not going to buy a framed picture by Van Gogh or Monet or whoever else, and it's off-centered. Or a picture that was taken by a famous photographer, it's off-centered. You don't like that. It doesn't look good. I think that 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 rings true for cards as well, because they the cards go through auction houses. You get what I'm trying to say there. It's right? So it's I think that that kind of carries over into into it yeah but rich is 100 i i agree with you rich i absolutely agree with you if it's for your own personal collection that's for your personal collection. totally it's fair approach personal. i met a guy at the national this was the atlantic city national the last one that you were at as well but we didn't meet there obviously um and i remember talking to this guy we were just both looking in at someone else's table and he had a card and i could tell he was excited I said, oh what'd, what'd you buy he goes oh i just bought the, i think it was a PSA seven OC Gretzky rookie, or it was a, an important card. And I Tops said, or OPG? I, I don't remember. Probably OPG. I don't remember though. But whichever one it was, we started talking, and he basically said that he he searches, he he looks for cards that have that OC qualifier on PSA labels because he gets them for such a good price. He goes, the card is still in great condition. It's just off centered, and I don't care about that. I'm like. I love that that's your approach. Number one, I love it because there's a market for these cards, right? Which we want there to be, but also because that's his approach. That's what's that's what he likes. He likes a card with great corners, edges, surface. If it's off-centered, doesn't bother him. Who knows? Maybe he's changed his stance since then. That was what, 2018 or so? But in any event, not everybody cares so much about sending. I want to say to Gizmo Greg, congrats on hitting the McDavid Jambalaya. I want one of those cards. So you want to know what to do with it? Send it my way, buddy. Send it my way, Gizmo Greg. Echo Troy's Troy's uh, message here. Congratulations. I'm by. I'd keep it, but I'm a collector, so would I. Brian says I pre-grade all my submissions and do about ninety percent of what they are doing to go to. Sorry, and do about ninety percent of what they are going to give. Awesome. Guess. What does that mean? I'm not sure what he means by that. That's why I was sort of stuck. But let's see what he let's see what he uh, if he writes back. <laughs> Lapper, I'm not going to skip the comment if you ask me to skip the comment. Um, Lapper says, what does it mean to be the best grader? Yeah, see, that's that's another good... What? Do, I don't know. Is there such a thing? Can we? Is that even accessible at this point in time? Who? who what does it mean do to be the best grading, grader? Do we mean grading um, company or do we mean the best grader in the whole industry? Okay. I don't know if this is a... So that's a loaded question because there are some graders that are not graders anymore, right? There's Mike Baker who does his own thing now, right? There's Andy that works for CSG. There's a lot of other guys that are not in the business anymore. And some of them are in different companies. Uh, Best graders are ones that have 
held all the great cards and I like someone that's not arrogant about it, that is willing to learn, but has the Rolodex knowledge and can do something not quickly, but can explain to you. That's where you're the best grader. If you can explain to me the difference, then I feel like you understand and can, it's, it's one of those things where you truly have learned something when you can teach it to someone else. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Good comments. Good. Yeah. It's it's a tough question because it could be it could be focused on on the company the person like you said Mike Baker who does his own you know he's not really doing it well I guess he is doing it but he's he's grading the grade in any event let's keep on going Mike Mark Santucci buy the card not the grade definitely uh, Big Harv says what is David's opinion of CSG and some of the other smaller graders so we've talked at length now about CSG. But what about some of the other smaller, and by smaller, I think we mean like new, newer, a lot of these up, up and coming or, or startup uh, and, uh, companies that have, that have joined. What do you think? Of, and this was on the list of, this was one of my questions that I wanted to talk to you about. So maybe we'll, I'll, I'll pose my question now along with Big Harv's, which was, again, your thoughts on these new grading companies and their, their chances of survival and what, they, what do they need to do to survive? So I'll let you kind of address all that, David. Sure. I think one of the most important things, and I said this to you earlier before we even got onto the show, and I'm going to be very clear to all the people that are watching right now, it is super important that I do not influence your decision of what company to use at all. And I think that that's number one most important thing. I, I can give you my opinion offline for some. I don't want to poo-poo on any of the companies because it's a business and they're trying to make money and I get what they're trying to do. And if they want to talk with me and I can help them, I would love to do that. But I will tell you that um, the ones that I use for right now are SGC, PSA, BGS, CSG. Those are the ones that I use. Um, those are the ones that are accepted at all the auction houses for right now. There's always a learning curve. You know, there's the other companies that are out there. There's, um, I don't want to call them out because then it may, you know, it, but there's there's other ones. There's uh, HGA. I'll, I'll say HGA because that one is people are waiting until September 29th to kind of see their technology to see how they do or, are doing things. Um, I think it's important that you learn from your mistakes as a, as a grading company, right? You're going to take your lumps for the first couple of years, but you got to take them and you got to be able to learn from them and you have to be able to get better. And if you plateau and you're not getting better, that's a problem for me. I think that comes for every company, but also we don't want to have market oversaturation. And right now we're at close to 18 or 20 grading companies. That could be too much. Jeremy, I would yeah. love to hear you as well. 18 to no. 20 companies. I think there's a niche for a lot of the different ones, right? But 18 to 20 companies is a little too much. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, I think it's, I think it's way too much. I mean, you know, th there's a couple ways to look at it. One, and I've said this before on the show is that, you know, you're, I think you're the incumbents. We're always going to have the incumbents. And to me, the incumbents are those four, even though CSG is new. And even though I'm not a huge fan of the, of the label, I still think that they're here to stay. SGC has a, even though they're under some new management uh, since their old days, they're still, they still have a, they're reputable. They seem to be doing a good job. PSA, BGS, I think they're all here to stay. Then you've got everybody else. And I, I categorize everybody else in the same bucket. Now there may be levels within there, but then I think, you know, 10 years down the road, how many of those are going to be left? My guess, and this, you know, I reserve the right to be wrong here, of course, but my guess is like two maybe three. And 
And then I want to qualify that by saying, you know, I, I think about professional services firms, you know, you look like like big accounting and business, like the Deloitte's, the KPMG's, the PricewaterhouseCoopers, KPMG's. That's the big four. Those are the big four. But you also have these regional firms that service their their own communities and their own cities, their own their own towns. Some of them are just in their own country. So you have you do have the opportunity for those regional services as well who have a loyal following because everybody knows everybody or the people in those neighborhoods or those people in, in those geographies know those the owners of those companies. They're out at their, their local shows. So I think you're going to see a lot of these small companies survive for a while. But are they going to are they going to get market share? Are they going to scale to the degree that they want to? Or are they going to be content with their regional market? Is that going to be enough for them to feed their families and have a staff and all that? I don't know the answer to that. If not, they're going to go away one way or another. Maybe the, maybe the good ones that have some really a real neat um, competitive advantage or differentiating factor will get bought by another one of the, one of the incumbents, perhaps. It, it can go in so in many different directions. But if you take this regional piece out of it, I'm going to go back to you've got the, the big four, which you have in the world of accounting and professional services. You have the big four in card grading. And then I think you could see a couple others that are going to last. And I think I think that race is sort of up in the air for, for all the current companies to compete for that. And maybe it's one, two, three, four, five more. I don't know, but it's certainly not 15 more. I don't see that being uh, the way that things shake out. My well thought. said. Yeah, I don't see past a couple of past the big four, two or three at the end. I think that that's really and and it's because they may fill a certain niche or a niche, whatever you want to say, right? I think those are the ones that'll probably end up working out in the end. And I think what's also important is that the big ones are also looking at the other ones and seeing what are they offering that we're not offering that they're taking part of our market share right? Maybe that's something that they need to add. I always look at things of how can I do things better? Just because I'm making so much more money, not me in general, but I'm or me in specific, but you know, the PSAs of the world, you know, how come they're making so much more money? Uh, not how much, I'm sorry, I misspoke there, but what specifically are they, do they have that's, that these, that these people are using and maybe possibly adding it to their service? Yeah, yeah, totally right. There, there's there's the potential for that. And, and it seems like a lot of these new companies, they have their, I don't want to use the word gimmick because that has a negative connotation. And I don't think that's what it is. People, I've heard people call certain things gimmicky, but they have their differentiating factor, right? And, and something that sets them apart. And I think that that's going to be whoever has the best one of those will, I think, have the best um, either chance of survival or successful uh, exit plan which could, could go either way. Uh, we're going to go to some comments, David. Joe Perot says, uh, CSG label looks better when the subs are present, less empty white space, which I 100% agree with that comment, Joe. Brian Basketballs goes with Surface, where I'm on the same page, says Surface is I appeal. I 100% agree with that, especially as far, because to me, Surface is focus or registration. To me, that, that 100, 100%. <laughs> Joe says, and the plastic of the slab is buttery. I know Joe... Loves his uh, CSG slab, and I've seen one too, and I think they are they're very nice as well. Mark Santucci says, "What do you two do with very expensive cards? Example: George Brett, Ricky Henderson, rookie one touch screw down or top loaders." Um, for me, Mark, I go with a 
I go with a top loader until I get it slabbed, but eventually a card like that, I would get slabbed. Um, how about you, David? Um, yeah, I've had my hands on hundreds of them and they've all come out of top loaders. So I'm going to tell you a top loader is the, is the best way to go. The one touch more for the newer modern cards. I don't use them as much for the, for the older vintage. It's I'm, Listen, Jeremy, you and I, we're bald-headed men. We don't have any hair left. We're older guys. We know that the top loaders are the easy – like, we can take – we can do it all with our eyes closed, right? So it's 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 the comfortability and, the, and the, just the fact that we can do it and we know we're not going to mess up a corner or mess up an edge or anything by putting it in a top loader. Did you get what I was trying to get there? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I, I do. I do get it for sure. Um. Okay, I, I'm sorry, and I was just reading a comment here. Uh, this one, this is an interesting comment here, David. I'm curious on what you say. Has there ever been a grading company that put the numerical grades on the back of the slab, but the specific card data on the front? Sometimes I feel the numbers distract me from the card. So I mean, you and I both know the answer to that question. BGS does, did, used to do that. I mean, some of their older slabs had the the numbers on the back. It, or, the subs. Well, does he mean like a nine on the front, but then the specific subgrades on the back? David, I think I think what Dr is saying is all the numbers on the back, no 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 grade on the front. I think the answer to the question is is no. I've never seen that. Maybe some no. company that came and went really quick did, and I I think that just that it wouldn't really work because a lot of cards get graded, get sold, and the first thing people want to look at is the card and the grade, and that needs to be in the same image. So. I just don't think it would work, but I, I definitely understand the comment that it can be distracting to look up. You know, you, you look at a slab card, you look, you're always, your eyes are going from slab or from label to card, label to card, right? You turn it over, you look up, like you're, you're, you're assessing the whole, the whole unit. So I get the comment. It's a fun comment to talk about. Anything further on that from you? No, I think you pretty, you pretty much covered it. Yeah. I was just thinking, the whole BGS piece is that the way they used to have the numbers on the back of some of their old slabs. But yeah, what you're saying talks about that makes perfect sense. Brian basketballs lets us know that he just pre-graded prior to submitting to HGA and was able to hit 24 of the 32 cards, final grades ranging from 8.5 to 9.5, no flawless tens. Good for you. That's a, that, that's a, maybe uh, if David's ever looking for an assistant on guess the grade, uh, Brian basketballs can send in his resume for that. Uh, let's see what Lapper says. I didn't mean for it to be a loaded question. SGC 10 versus PSA 10, which is better. BGS 95 versus SGC, which is better. The market acceptance is PSA. Why? Because we pay a premium. <laughs> I mean, I think he answers his own question at the end there. But is do you have no? He's break? still asking us. He's still asking us those other questions, which and we, wanna, you and I can easily and, talk about. But no, and and I I want you to uh, if you're willing to, David, I want to hear your opinion on which is better, SGC. Yeah, I'll just go through those one at a time if you don't mind. And okay. Speak to them. Here we go. PSA ten now currently can't you cannot have one issue on it at all. Not not a one. Uh, an SGC ten. Um, I still. I've seen submissions that I've put in for people for pre-grades and they've still gotten tens. They, they, they still are allowing for very, very faint print lines on the back, uh, very, very faint print lines on the front or very small dimples on the back. Most of the, I would tell you the SGC on the back, um, they still are allowing little things, but PSA front and back have to be perfect. So 
I think that answers that question. BGS 9.5 and SGC 9.5. BGS 9.5 um, is still seen. Be Remember, there's a wide range of a 9.5. I mean, depending on which part of the nine, which which part are nines and which parts are 9.5s or 10s, right? You can still be within a range and still get a 9.5. Um, I actually still see with BGS still being a stricter grader than SGC on the 9.5 there. It's getting closer. I feel like um, there's with a 9.5, you can allow for a bigger issue, like a bigger um, printing error or a little like tiny dimple ding that's not not hurting its eye appeal, right? But you can you can hold it back like this and not see it from there. But when you look underneath the magnifying lens, you can then see it. That would give me a 9.5. With BGS, um, some of the cards, I, I from what I see and what I work with, when you put it under the lens and you don't see it, um, and you do, and you and you don't see it for the BGS uh, nine point five. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point of that. B, basically, that just BGS still is a little bit higher than uh, SGC. And then, is there another one? No, no, I think that's it. Right? No, good stuff. Good no, stuff. Just those two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, great question, Lapper, as well. And and even at the end, uh, which is better, the market acceptance of PSA? Why? Because we pay a premium. Well, yeah, that's that's it. We being the greater hobby pays for the PSA slab. It's just the way it is. And that's based on that's based on their their brand equity. Simple, really simple as that. Um, okay, Troy says, uh, never knew there were 20 grading companies. They are all not going to survive. I agree. Big Harv says, is there a market for a company that is strictly an authenticator or does slabbing only for people to want to provide a higher level of protection from the sleeve and top loader? So I'll take this one, Dave, and let you know that I know PSA does have strictly an authentication service. You can just ask them to authenticate your card and they will do that. They don't need to grade it. I'm sure other companies do that too. And I do believe that there are companies that are now just in the slabbing game, not the grading and, or I don't know if they authenticate or not, but I do believe that I do think that one or one or more of these new grading companies could end up being simply a slab company where you're not grading. Hopefully you're authenticating but you're at least protecting and, and providing a nice presentation for the card. And maybe you're even customizing what that looks like for your, for your customer. So anything to add to that, David? Uh, the company that does that right now or is starting to do it was HGA. They do the just, just slabbed ones and people are happy with the way that they look. So yeah. that's great. I think it's a, it's a great market for people that don't care about a number. They just want to protect the card. Yeah, and, and depending what comes out of what their AI actually looks like is and does, um, you know, they that those can almost be two separate businesses for them. HGA grading with, with AI, and they might have a division that's just, hey, decorative slabs for your collecting enjoyment. There's nothing, hey, there's nothing. We buy one touches and top loaders too. There's nothing wrong with that at all, I don't think. Agreed. Agreed. One for the task. Glad you appreciate the, the accountant talk there. Rich Frank says, if you grade tough, I believe the market will notice. You, Yeah, you also need marketing, though. You also need marketing in there as well, I believe. But I think it's, a, it's the point is well taken. Uh, DR says, do you think there will, that we will ever see a franchise retail grading footprint? Maybe open small storefronts and target markets and staff the stores by graders, eliminates the risk of mailing cards. So 
I, I don't think you're you're going to see that. But the closest I think you will see is what we're seeing right now with Card Score. Now, Card Score, uh, the the founder was on this show a few weeks ago, and uh, John Yob, and he did say that you know we don't cons- we we don't consider ourselves to be graders. They are scorers. It's a different service altogether. Recommend if you want to go watch that episode. But uh, they are putting their Card Score machines into LCSs across the country, being the United States, maybe Canada too by now. And I think there's, they already have like, I think it's 250 machines. I don't remember exactly, but several, a significant amount are out there. So it's more of a, uh, of a crowdsourced opinion on the, on the I appeal ranking of your card out of a hundred. So something similar, and maybe they will, and I know they do have plans to get into authentication and slabbing with, with full grading. So it could, could, uh, could get there through the card score uh, banner, actually. Any comments on that, David? Yes, um, I, I see what he's trying to get at. Um, could the fact that possibly I think Nat, I think Nat said that they're going to be doing collecting submissions in the New York or New Jersey area, new newer place opening up. I think that that's a good piece. Would it make sense to have the retail grading footprint? I don't know. I don't know if that makes. I don't know if that makes sense yet. I don't know if I've thought about that enough dr's got great questions um because i don't i i see scar card score like you do as scoring not grading and it's not the same thing so if he's looking dr's looking for an actual grading company uh that could be something that they move towards i mean it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world it just is there enough market share is does it make enough sense to be actually it, really do it's, that yeah i don't see it happening until it's done by AI computer or something like that. Because otherwise, how does how does PSA or whatever grading company uh, standardize things and ensure adherence to these standards? Uh, I just see there. I, I do. I see that just not happening. I can see them having office. You know, a few headquarters. Like you know, obviously the California, maybe maybe um, wherever New York, Miami, Hong Kong. Toronto, something like that. I could see that happening, but I don't see there being a franchise uh, grading. Not not from one of the big incumbents. I don't see them taking that on. I, I just don't think that's. Right. I don't think that business model works unless it's done by machine. That's a whole other thing, though. So, Lapper reminds everybody to hit that like button, guys. If you are enjoying this discussion, this interactive discussion, hit the thumbs up button. And you know what? If you're not enjoying it. Hit that thumbs up button. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, that doesn't work. Double thumbs up. All right. Whatever. Either way. Hit it. I'm just saying hit that thumbs up button one way, one way or another. But more importantly, tell a friend. Enjoy the show. Come back every Saturday if you're available. And uh, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, okay. Uh, Brian's. I think he's talking about when the grade is on the back of the card. He says that's like taking ho- someone home at closing without seeing their face. <laughs> this is why this is after hours uh sports card live right exactly this is the late show this is the late show exactly david kaplan says the thumbs joke never gets old so it's getting old david is that what you're telling me it's getting old mark santucci is enjoying the discussion thank you mark so here's a question that i was going to ask you um and I mean, this is, I'm just going to ask it as, as it might sound silly to the audience guys. So please don't penalize me for this, but 
David, is grading actually subjective? <sighs> okay. Um, in in part in in parts of it, it can be subjective. Um, for someone that's not experienced, right? Because they could just say, oh, it's a nine because it looks like a nine, right? But as you get better with doing it, it's not subjective. And I think it also leads into something that we were talking about before, the whole AI piece, like the technology, bringing the technology in as the backup to be able to, to validate what you're talking about, I think is an important piece and the next step for things. So is grading subjective right currently now? Not for me and a lot of other the graders, but I could see how someone would think that way, especially if they've received a grade that they did not like and they did not agree with. I think that's where that grading is subjective piece comes up with. Do you agree? I mean, do you agree yeah. with that's when it comes up? I mean, I think, you know, and I, I agree with, I, you know what? I mean, just all I can do is reflect on my own, my own self and how, how I behave in certain circumstances. And if I was a grader, you know, you have bad days at any job you're in. No, I mean it, right? You do. And yes, you, yes, of course. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can have a bad day at home. You can have a bad day in some other aspect of your life. It's going to, you're going to lose focus, but you're still going to go to work and you might not perform at the same level every day. Look at professional athletes. You know, the best players have off games. We don't know why. We think it's because they're lazy or they're spoiled rich kids. Really, they may have, you know, something could be going on in their personal life. And I'm not using this. This is not an excuse. But we, we say is grading subjective. I believe that the grading standards that all the companies have documented for internally and, and public facing should take out the subjectivity. It should. But still, there are still people doing the job. And people have, you know, it doesn't matter how trained you are. You're still going to have people that are better at it and worse at it. I think, I think you are. Correct. You know, so it, it's a tough question, but jump in, jump in, David. Yeah. Let me, let me, as you're saying things, I'm thinking of them and I'm going, okay. So when I was trained by different people, some of them were better training me than others because they didn't, some of them understood what they were talking about and some of them couldn't explain what they were talking about. Um, and I'm trying to say this so I don't sound rude or disrespectful um, and also try to, 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 to hammer the point home of, is it subjective? It, it, it really isn't. And um, I'm, I'm struggling with, cause I lost my train of thought. Well, can you go back to what you were just saying? Well, yeah. Hold so on. Well, you, you think about that. I want to go to Rich Frank's com comment here. He says, absolutely subjective. A computer would never give a 10. There is no perfect. Well, no one has said, not even PSA, says that a 10 is meant to be perfect. That that, And I'm not going to pick on you, Rich Frank, but you're saying that 10 is perfect in this comment. PSA does not say that their, that their 10 is a perfect card. If you look at the standards, it's not meant to be a per. It might be a perfect card but it's not supposed to be a 10 does not have to be perfect. So to say that no computer would ever give out a 10 because there's no perfect, it all depends how you program that computer. What are the tolerances? So that's a, that's just not a, I just think rich Frank in this case, this comment is, is um, I don't want to say it's wrong, but it's, it's just not applicable to the, 
to the hobby, really. Now, I think if, he also understands what you're saying. Well, because I don't know. The there comment, is a there is the a little comment, bit of leeway, right? And I don't comment, think he sees that. The comment doesn't tell me that he knows that he agrees with what I'm saying, but that's fine. I'm listen. I'm not trying to pick on it. I'm just saying that it's important that people understand that PSA tens, BGS tens, they're not even a BGS ten that is pristine can get better. Can this still get true. better into black label. A PSA ten is gem mint. There are going to be PSA tens that are pristine, but there will also be ones that are gem. The PSA ten is still a range, so of course it's not going to be a perfect card. So to say there's no perfect, it doesn't really matter that there's no perfect. That, that's all I'm saying. It doesn't matter. Sure. Okay. Great. There's no perfect. Doesn't mean there's no PSA tens. Those two. Those two comments can live at the same time. Um, okay. With that. With that now said. Um, did you? Come back to where you were, or uh, <laughs> no? I lost it. Train of thought. Sometimes I gotta, I, 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 you know, as you get older, your brain goes all over the place sometimes yeah. with things. And I've been reading throughout the day, so and it's Look also at Rock. Look uh, at Rock just so you deck. know, there, uh, sir. It's like one thirty in the morning. My it time. is late. It's okay. It's, and it the dogs wake up in a couple. Of, but I'm, I'm good. It's just I'm thinking and just trying to think about it. No, I, I totally, it's totally gone. It's all good. It's all good, Dave. Don't even worry about it. It happens to me. Every Saturday night, I have thoughts in my head. I forget them, and I try to cover my tracks one way or another. That's the thing about live broadcasting. You just have to, David, you just have to be willing to let it happen and not not beat yourself up about if, it. If, I do it and night. I tell my students, if, you don't, if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning, right? There you go. And out of all the podcasts I've done, because yours is live, I've made the most mistakes and just totally just blanked on stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And then I read this. Uh, rock latex that wrote uh, the subjective as a strike zone is for baseball. Rock latex. Let's just talk about the fact of that they have the actual technology to show you whether or not they're right or wrong. And they go through like a stringent, like all those umps, they're constantly tested and they don't get to be in big games if they're not doing, uh, if they're not, if their accuracy is not up there. And oh, that's what I wanted to say. I now got back to it. So you talked about subjectivity. And um, that's why you have two graders look at a card. And then if their number is too far off by more than a half point or a point, it goes to a senior grader. So I think that that cuts out a lot of the subjectivity that people really worry about, especially in a time where you're spending a decent amount of money to get these cards graded. You don't want just one person looking at it. You need multiple people. And I think it also cuts out, that cuts out the whole, you've had a bad day, you lost your girlfriend or your boyfriend, right? And you go into work and you're upset and you're just going through the cards really quick. That's, it's not going to happen. In fact, PSA, I think your percentage that you're allowed, your tolerable percentage has to be less than like 3% uh, um, off by, by 3% um, on average. So, I mean, they, they hold you to high standards, which I think is really, really important. And I think that we need to, Talk. I mean, I think I think it's important that people know that as well. Kind of cuts out that subjectivity piece. Yeah. No. No. Fair enough. If 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 it goes through that process, I, I agree with you. Um, I want to address Lapper's comment here, saying uh, it's pretty hard to keep a set of standards clearly defined and determined by a human, and that's a really astute comment because I think what he's talking about is interpretation a lot of the times. Because I think about other sets of standards we have in society. We, we have tax laws. We have also every body of law, every single different discipline within, within the faculty of law has 
they're standards and they're they're always being developed. And if you think about a judge's job, a judge's job is not always clear cut. They go they unless you know it's easy where it is clear cut because the precedents are just obvious. But in many cases, they need to they need to judge on something that has never been judged on be- before. There are things that don't have precedent, and they need to come up with that judgment, even though there is a set of standards that is laid out for them as to how you make that judgment. Right? There is a process that they go through. Now, two different judges may come up with different opinions on the application of the law to this particular set of facts and circumstances. Same thing in grading. You're going to have, you can have two different people that are uh, trying to apply the same standards that are going to interpret things differently. They're going to come up with two different opinions based on that same set of, 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 of facts and circumstances. Now, does that mean that it's subjective? Yeah, I think there is some subjectivity. The subjectivity is in the application of the standard. That is because it's human. So I, I do think there is that level of subjectivity because we are human and you can't get away from that. But I think what to, to reconcile this with what with David, with your comment being it really isn't, is that it shouldn't be. There is one set of standards and these should be adhered to. But as has been said, it's really difficult to do that. And it's difficult, not just in, I mean, it's like, why are we so tough on card graders when when judges who are keeping the keeping peace in the land, you know, are or or trying to at least, they don't go through that quite that level of scrutiny like god forbid they go become card graders you want a tough job judge go be a card grader let's see how you like that you know? or school teacher right exactly so i don't know just fun david kaplan says we should get graders notes then like yes of course we should of course we should do they take notes i don't know you know this came up with nat turner and you know he said yeah Makes sense, but the price is going to go up because it's going to take more time, and now it's got to be standardized and all these things. What I don't remember his answer. I'm paraphrasing that. That don't quote me on that. But my thoughts are that sure, slip them in there. I'd love to see them, but I guess there's a lot. There's some some so, friction that comes with that. So let's 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 talk. Can we talk a little bit more about that just for a yeah. hot second? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Some of the newer grading companies are doing that. They're telling you where they see the errors when you get the card back either it's in a little sheet or a sort of like graders notes because they're using a high-end scanner or their ai whatever they want to call it right and it does have on there where they see the issues i don't think that nat i think that nat understands that and i think that psa is probably figuring out their because they're the standard along with the other three, right? I think that they're all trying to figure out a way to be able to incorporate something like that. I think they're trying to do a lot of different things at once, right? But I think that once they see that other companies are using it, I think that they're going to try to adopt something to that effect. It would just it would just make sense, right? L- long long term looking at it, I think it absolutely makes sense that we do that there should be something like what David is talking about. Yeah, no, for sure. Um Okay, I want to go to this comment by Rich Frank here where he says, but gem mint should mean gem. Okay, so I have two comments on that. The first one is, says you. The second comment is, gem is defined how the company grading it defines gem to be. I don't believe that there is a universal definition of the term gem mint within within sports and trading cards. 
I might be wrong on that, but I don't think there is. I just tried to see if I could find it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, that it actually exists, but someone please correct me if I'm wrong. And if, and, you know, when I do search it, it takes you to ISA grading. So a company came up with their definition. So Gem Mint is a human, you know, it, it's a, it's a standard that is, I don't want to say arbitrary, but it's defined by the person who's stating it. It's not, there is no universal. So it really, it's like, yeah, Gem Mint. Do you want it to be though? What? Do you want it to be? Do I want what to be? Gem Mint Universal. Uh, do I want Gem Mint to be universal? I don't know. I mean, gosh, I need to think. I can't answer. I, that's one where if I, I answer I now, I might. you finally. Jeremy, look at that. I got you. To... Yeah, no, I don't. I don't it's, it's, if I you were to, to ask me, it's the same thing. I don't know if I really want it to be like that. But what I'm trying to do. And what I'm trying to do it, it, it is get to the point where maybe some of the standards are the same throughout most of the companies. I'm trying to get to that educational piece of either helping them or helping uh, the community so that we're all kind of on the same page because it feels like we're not. Yeah, David, I mean, that until we have, until we have a, a sort of centralized regulatory body in the hobby, which will probably never happen, we, we can't. We can't get there. I'm going to go back to my accounting analogy. You know, when 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 auditors go in and audit financial statements, I'm not talking about tax and that. I'm talking about financial statement audits. Um, the different firms all go in with with their own approach to audit. Now they follow generally accepted auditing standards and this and that, but they, you know, they take their own. They have their own um, methods, if you will. They have their own tools that they use, and they at the at the end of the day, they they follow. Sorry, they follow the same standards. They they use they use similar tools to do that, but they are governed. They are there. There is a high level of regulation, and now with Sarbanes Oxley and and all these different things going on, it's the amount. It's important. It's important. Oh God, I, I don't. I get very. I go through this in my professional life, and it's a pain in the butt. Okay, it's a pain Got because it. of the regulation. So, do I want yes. there to be regulation in the hobby? I don't know. I I need to think about that further as far as grading companies go. Do I want there to be one p one grade of ten that means the same thing to all the grading companies? I don't know. I think that that's that that's that's no that's not in innovation. That that is not a sign of innovation. It's not a sign of competition. It doesn't give you an advantage to have something different than somebody else. So I don't know that we need a standard Very across the board. Point. That's why I'm just not sure because I think we need it in some areas of society, but some maybe like cards, we don't need it. So that's kind of why I took it took longer to get there. But um, but but back to the point and the comment is that it's up to the company to define what that is because there is no universal definition. So when Rich Frank says, but gem mint should mean gem mint. Says you, Rich Frank, and anyone else who thinks that way, right? Says you, which is fine. You're entitled to that. So use the company that you think puts a gem in on their card. And if the rest of the hobby doesn't follow that and, asset, and assign as much value to that company <laughs> as you think they should, yeah, well, them's the breaks, right? That's the, that's the world we live in and, until it changes, yes. until it changes. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so, okay, we can... <laughs> There's lots of comments and questions. I'm sure I've stirred up a few here. Uh, I'm uh -oh. good to keep going. You good to keep going, Dave? I'm ready. Hit me, All bro. Right. 
I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read some. We'll stop on the ones that uh, you know. I, I like to stop on all of them, but we just don't have time. Uh, Steve says to play devil's advocate. How can centering edges, corner surface, etc., be subjective? I can see an argument there for um, for for centering uh, and edges, corner surface. How can it be subjective? It's the degree of flaw and where that falls on the grading scale. That's how I Agreed. can see it being subjective. Agreed. Rich Frank says, but I do understand PSA never said 10 is perfect. And I love the point of your guest. I trust the ruling of the field as long as there is no proof. Fair <laughs> comment, Rich Frank. Steve Sir says the grader or computer would have to take that into consideration. Okay, sorry, I'm out of context. We'll keep going. Talking about the, the strike zone. MLB umpires still have different strike zones, though. They are all not the same. Same with graders. It's a valid comparison. I guess it depends on the height of the player, right? Where are the knees that these things do move around different angles? Oh, I'm not saying it's not a valid one. I'm not. I'm just saying that similar to how certain graders are either let go or they're not used in certain ways, right? They have a certain percentage, just like Angel Hernandez. I'll throw it out there. Has a always has one of the lowest grades, so he doesn't do some of the certain games and stuff like that because of the fact that he makes a lot of very clear cut errors when he, with his strike zone. Sorry, you got into baseball and I'll talk baseball for hours. Sorry about that. All good. All good. Big. So here's a new grading company. I'm not familiar with DSG has a QR code that allows you to see where their notes are on the flaws on the grader, the the greater same with a TGT transparent grading, grading team. Uh, Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. who comes and watches is a part of that. They do that. He showed me their, their example at the national. I thought it was very good as far as, something that differentiates them and could be uh i, I think it's a, a really trend it's transparent just like is in their name so good good call out on the on that big harv uh troy says p okay so this is where troy psa could offer the option to download the graders notes for an additional fee so i i agree they could but but by by saying that we are now changing their business model we are adding staff we are adding technology. We're adding processes. We are, and I'm not saying they can't do it, but I'm just saying it's not as easily as just saying, oh, they could do this. Yes, they could, but it's not like it's just something that they could take their current process and just add that to without any additional investment, planning, time, all these sorts of things. Okay. So, you know, the, 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 there's more thought in it than just saying they could do that. Although I hear you, it's plausible but it's not just an automatic based on what they're already doing. Let's see. Birds on the bat said, graders notes are a wonderful idea, but so unlikely to ever happen. The process is already slow as is. Adding notes to each card would make that card grading take even longer. Agreed. Plus, would you do, like, a grader has their notes, final grade, assign it, send it off to the next department for slabbing, whatever. But what if they do with those notes? They just tape it to the slab? Dude, like you got to think about the actual process. And then all of a sudden there's a 20 slabs in there, a, a, a you know, a, a, a grader's notes gets loose. Which card is this for? Well, okay, so you're going to name the card, probably put the serial number on there, but these things all do take time. So uh, David Kaplan says CGC Comics lets you access grader's notes online. So they have that in place, which is really great. Uh, Rich Frank, trusting the ruling on the field. Burrows on the bat says exactly. Plus PSA, I believe, coined the term gem mint, meaning it quite literally, by de- they quite literally, by definition, got to define it. Yeah, exactly. So good to know if they're the first ones to use it, which brings me back to the the point before that was made about the label on CSG or CGC comics. I was wondering who weren't they the first, like what did the, they had nothing to compare it to. 
and I, I I believe. Whereas with cards, we've got lots to compare it to because they were late to the game, right? So anyway, but sorry, just to go back in time there. Uh, Bird says uh, plus PSA. Okay, sorry, I did that one. Birds on the bats all over the place here. Oh, that's a that's a double post. Interesting. Uh, Birds on the bat here says uh, you're paying for them for exactly what they give you. You may want more, but that's not what you're paying for. They only owe you what you agreed what they agreed to. That's right. Steve Sir says I'm starting the Federal Bureau of Sports Card Collecting. You wouldn't be the first that wanted to do that. Lapper says, ultimately, machine learning should determine the same set of standards and grade in a similar way. The only thing the hobby seems to want is consistency. And and possibly, he's right. He's right. Yeah. You know that he's right. Consistency is what we want. That's what we want. Exactly. No, I know he's right. I'm thinking to myself, will it happen? And it it, it will only happen. That's if what all- I'm here for. I'm I want to do that. I want to do that for people. But 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 you're not working. You're not the final, the lead grader at all the grading companies, right? That's you're right. We, you're right. But I'm there's there's ideas in my head, and there's things that I want to talk with different people about. There's 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 got to be a way. I know I'm only one person, but I know I'm not the only person that feels this way, right? He just said it himself. I think that we got to discuss consistency, and I and I understand that there that there's a lot of people that are in there, but I think that. Over time, I think that that could happen. Some sort of it, maybe just a little bit better. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm finally just caught that. Sort of thing. Finally caught that fly that's been bugging me all night. Did you so get far. it? I finally got it. Only it. Took I got two it. hours. I got it with that last uh, swoop across. Okay, Criminal Mind says, "Forget about B- PSA, BGS, and every other grading company taking advantage of all of us. Let's all stop grading. We'll see how fast these companies drop their prices." <sighs> uh, good luck with that, Criminal Mind. I mean. Start a protest, bro. Start a protest and see how the, see how that goes. It's it's just we're too deep in for for that to happen at this point. And the yeah, hobby, we're like twenty four you know, years in at this and, point. And and you have to keep in mind why grading came about in the first place. It came about to solve a problem, and that problem was that people that was that the internet became a thing, and people were buying cards sight unseen, and they needed some way to understand. That's why grading became a thing in the first place. That's that's the main reason why it started but also the the registry piece right people wanted to they like yeah, that, came later. that came later right yes yes a little but not that far after i mean the, but that's nats talked about it that's the reason why they eventually want to make sure that they open up the lower tiers because right. that's their they want people to be able to make their sets as well it's one of the reasons why psa has a good foothold on on a big or a big piece of the the pie because there's so many participants in that set registry and people by nature are competitive and want to get as high up as they can especially people that have means you know are competitive to to flex and it's nothing wrong with that okay birds on the bat although yes i agree it would be ideal to get notes it's just not pragmatic i prefer they don't give notes because it would clog the system it would it certainly would but maybe they have anyway I, I, what, they're, they're, what about if you get the printout from the ai you get the numbers. Yeah, that would be that'd be a good that'd be that's a hey, anything more any more information than we're already getting, I think people would appreciate, but it just has to be done properly by the grading company, right? Just just has to be. Rich Frank, appreciate that. Big Harv says, is there any allowance for cards to get graded based on known issues in printing, especially in a lot of the cards from the 50s through 70s when QA was an afterthought? 
That's a great question. And I know the Gretzky rookie with the with the, the Opeachy edges uh, is one of those examples that PSA does kind of overlook. But what, what can you tell us about that, David? Uh, just two quickly. Um, one is the, I think it's, it's the Bo Jackson rookie for uh, Tops football. There's a known issue on the front. Uh, we talked about this just a couple of days ago. And the other one is a Ray Allen rookie from 96 Tops. There's a blue line um, that they still allow and still give PSA Jim uh, and 10s for because it was on 90% of the cards. Also, I believe the Shaquille O'Neal rookie from 92 Tops. That one's another one that has a known issue on the back. Looks almost like it's um, like a not a double printing, but like out of focus. And they still give that one. There's like the yellowing on the there's the jersey. You know how the um, the magic jersey has the the pinstripes on it, yeah. right? Um, there's a little bit of yellow that comes through. They still um, they still allow that to come through, and that's a that's sort of a misprint. And they allow that as well for PSA 10. So, yes, there is some allowance there with certain cards uh, and certain prints that are on a high percentage of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you probably know the Opeachy Gretzky rookie. He's got that yellow dot on, on his shoulder, which was on the right shoulder if you're looking at the card. And that's every copy has it. It's a telltale sign of a real copy. Yes, uh, some fakes have it too, but that's a that's a it's a printing flaw though. It it it's like something got in there, right? But it doesn't change the grade of the card. I don't think it should. For me, I'm okay with it not. I also recently learned just last week that the 52 tops Mickey Mantle has a, I think most of the car. Co- and I also learned there's two types. There's where the black line in the bottom box, but uh, there's a little printing flaw, right? You know how he's he's like he's got the bat and he's like like looking yes. up like this. If you follow his eye line, his sight line into the blue background, there's a little white dot in there on like all the copies, which, you know, is that a gem mint card? You know, according to to what, you know, is that a, a pristine, a flawless card? Or is it okay because it was produced like that? To me, it's okay. If they're all like that, I'm okay with it. Isn't that part of the hobby though? Isn't that part of the story? Like that's why we love what we're doing because it's, part of the story of the card and that's the way all of them are now if it wasn't that case then that's a different conversation but just like you said just like most of the opichis are miscut prop improperly because they were using um an inferior uh print cutter right so that you've got the jagged edges on the side you know what i'm talking you know what i'm talking yeah, about right i do I yeah do. yeah yeah for sure uh here's game time gallery says when grading cards containing relics like patches etc is the condition of the relic taken into account in the grade of the card i i've never thought of this question because and i and i mean i think david what he might be getting at is like is the relic like i've seen some patches where there's a there's a loose thread kind of just sticking out right and what do you do with that thread to me i want to snip it off because it takes away from the card. Now, am I altering the card if I snip off that little thread? And if I am, do I care? It's my card. I can snip it off if I want to. I'm not going to sell it. And if I do, no one's going to know the difference. What, how does that, how do you feel about that? I've never even thought about this before. Um, that's why most of those relic cards end up getting nines or less, right? Because the fact of how the process of how they put the relic card in there because it's usually foiling on the side and that foiling usually gets dented or pushed in and it causes them to not get the 10 because 
the edge because that's part of the edges. That's part of the card, right? It's part of the surface. So he's yeah. So how do they? Is the condition of the relic taken into account? Yes, it is part of the card. Um, is do we all need to worry about Jeremy now uh, trimming his uh, altering all of his uh, hockey jersey cards? Possibly, possibly we might need to worry about that. But uh, no, in all seriousness, um, yeah, there are people out there that will cut off that little piece, right? And probably they try to submit it. And um, I, I see cards all the time that have them, and they don't sell for as much uh, online because they you can see the piece coming off and out of the card, and it's not desirable. But like, is that, for some people, okay, for some so, people. So I miss. I had a different interpretation of the question. I thought the oh. condition of the patch, the fabric itself, let's say. But, oh 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 oh. Okay, I looked at it the other way. Sorry. But but I I also hear though like I have cards. I've seen cards where the patch is in the patch window but but it doesn't cover the whole patch window so you can see the back and i i hate when that happens it, to me that's just an eyesore when the patch doesn't fill the whole window that's uh, i i i really that takes not... away part of the eye appeal part of the surface yeah absolutely to me yeah. that's mm -hmm. a surf to me that's a surface issue that should come into play yes that does it because are they grading that or are they just grading the condition of the cardboard itself now the other the other piece on this is that the is that when we talk about the condition of a of a of a piece of memorabilia, I mean, hey, these are game used. They should be in poor condition. They should have scratch marks or blood stains or puck marks or whatever it might, depending on the sport, of course. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and now think about the way relics are. Right, a lot of them aren't even from an actual game or from an event. They're just a piece of a jersey that they've cut and put on there. I mean, that's why the, not, that's why people are paying a premium for the original upper deck ones from the late '90s and early 2000s because yeah. those were the actual real ones that the player wore in many cases. Thank you, Carvin, for all that work that you've done acquiring all those pieces, right? Because he did all that work and was a part of that. Because that makes them more valuable. It means something, not just like a new Lamelo ball that has a jersey that he didn't wear and didn't even touch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me see if I had any more questions on my, uh, on my notes here. Um, I think, boy, no, I think we covered off everything I had on my list. Uh, Troy says here, I'll bring up this comment, David, great insight there. Many in the hobby say it's hard to get a 10 on a thick card. It's because of the foiling on the edges and the patch window, right? Cause you talked about, I think what you were talking about at the beginning of, of what, of the response to that question, David was, the wind, the patch window itself, and and so, the foiling around the patch window, oftentimes, um, which is yeah, I mean, certain, depending on how that die cut is done, you can see very faint creases in the corners of certain patch windows too. So, to me, that isn't that that, that is a, a it's a circumstance of the of the card being a memorabilia card, but it doesn't necessarily speak to the condition of the memorabilia. But I think we're I think it's just. Uh, that's not the issue here. The issue is, does it cause there to be any flaws in the card because the patch is there? However, I will stick by, stand by that one where the patch doesn't cover the whole patch window and you have a gap between the border of the patch window and the patch itself or stick piece or whatever, bat piece. And I'm like, oh God, you couldn't have just cut that patch bigger or placed it a millimeter to the left to cover that, that gap in any event. Okay. We're going to wrap up. We're at the two hour mark. Uh, I'll 
put it out there for any final questions or comments from the chat. Still going strong on the viewership. So thank you, everybody. Uh, David, any, but while we wait to see if any final comments or questions come in, anything, uh, that you want to talk about that we haven't yet? Um, no, I mean, we've talked about a lot in two hours. This is a lot of conversation. This is great. I hope you eventually have me on again, maybe when uh, PSA opens back up all their stuff and we can talk about what's going on there. I love to talk about all the different things there. And I, I just want to dispel the, oh, we didn't talk about pop control. Did we talk about pop oh, control? Um, we didn't. That's a, that could be a long one. That could be oh, a long one. Oh no! All right, fine. Maybe the next show, part well, two. Let's let's hold off. But guys, just so you guys know, and we're not we're not going to do this now. It's too late. But we were going to talk about basically David's thoughts on this perceived pop control going on. The grading companies grading tougher than ever before. Um, we will we will we will have to save that for another another time. So, okay. but, but it, just okay. so you know, that was supposed to be on the agenda, but you guys peppered us with too many really great comments and, and questions tonight. Brian Basketballs, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you again, Brian. Latrell Sprewell says, why is PSA so harsh on grades for PMG's uh, red and green basketball? I Can know. I answer that? Yeah, please. Because it's made out of metal and because they easily, they, it's not that they're degrading them harder. It's they have their standards and the cards naturally degrade while they were in the packs. You open up a new metal universe pack, it, they're they're naturally chipping off. It was the, those were like the lower end cards back in the late nineties because they were just a cool technology that they were trying out, and it was for kids. It wasn't the, those were not expensive packs, and it's not that they're harsh. It's just the way that the cards were made. It's they're literally chipping off as you were opening the packs. Yeah. Do you remember opening them? No, but I, I have a I have a PMG from '97, and uh, yeah, the edges chip. I've seen several copies. The edges chip. It's it it is what it is. Let's go to this yep. question though. From the currency project says, do edges of thicker cards weigh heavier on the grade more so than standard 35 point stock cards? I have some thick relic cards with strange scuffing on the thicker edges, or is that considered surface? Okay, I have to see that. So currency, can you not 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 right now? And we don't want to keep Jeremy and everybody on too late. Can you just follow me on Instagram, show me pictures so we can have a conversation about that? And then I, I maybe on my part two or next time I come on, I can explain that a little bit more. Is that okay, Jeremy, if we do that? Fine by me, for sure. Okay. For sure. I need uh, to see that because I don't want to make a blanket statement. Fair enough. Fair enough. Big Harv says, does David know the amount of graders PSA has and how many they would need to keep up with the amount of cards that are submitted once they reopen the full range of services? I do. So I do have some contacts with people that still are there. And um, I, I can only tell you that I, I think that um, somebody was talking about how many they, they just increased. Um, I, I, it, uh, Steve Sloan tells you how many all the time. I don't know the exact amount right now, but follow me, Big Harv. We can talk. We can discuss. I can share more of that because I don't know if everybody really cares about that. But yeah, no, I can give yeah. you get you some more information. Hopefully, no, it's a generous offer to to invite people to DM you, and because it, it's it takes time. So I appreciate that you do that for uh, for the audience here tonight, uh, David. A big unit reminds me to hit that thumbs up, that like button. Jeremy and David, thank you very much. Big unit, thank you, Troy. Appreciate your time tonight. And that's it. Guys, 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. If you stuck it through both shows, I greatly appreciate it. I'm back with back-to-back shows tomorrow night again. This was six shows. Believe it or not, I did six shows this weekend. I'm doing six shows this weekend, uh, which is nuts. I, I recorded a short piece last night. I was on Hobby Hotline this morning, Sports Cards Live after hours. Tomorrow, I've got Collectible Live at 7 o'clock Eastern on the Collectible YouTube channel, and then I'll be back on this channel for the big F1 Dynasty break with Stephen and Carvin. So check that out. That's at 10 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night where Stephen will be breaking 50 plus boxes. I think they're, I hope they're one card boxes. Otherwise it's going to take too long, but it's um, going to take a while <laughs> of tops dynasty, which is a very nice product. So check that out tomorrow. If you can behind the t- tank says the backlog was 15 million cards as of five weeks ago. Thank you, Big Har, for joining. Thank you, Currency Project. David, you hang tight right there, everybody else. Thanks again for joining. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. We'll see you hopefully tomorrow, if not next week. Have a great week ahead and enjoy your Sunday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.